I'm Jason Ariola. And I'm Dominic Chavis, and this is Rock Out With Your Card Out. Part two of Trails of Cold Steel Three. Boy, that's a that's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll give a quick rundown here um, for on the off chance that uh, you're starting with this episode instead of going back and listening to the first disc. Um, uh, yeah, the composers for this game are you know credit of course is Falcom Sound Team, but the two composers who worked on this soundtrack are Hayato Sonoda and Takahiro Unisuga. Uh, both of these composers have been with Falcom for a while. Um, I mentioned on the last episode, but I'll just run this down real quick again. Sonoda's first credit was Brandish 4, and that was back in 1998. And from there, he worked on Guruman, Jvai, Ease, Xanadu, and Legend of Heroes. And Unisuga's first work with Falcom was Xanadu Next in 2005, and he would end up working on Xanadu, Ease, and the Legend of Heroes series as well. So, anyway, uh, Dominic, shall we get to the actual music portion of this thing? So, I mean, babble in here. Let's get to it. All right, buddy. All right. So first up, we're going to be listening to is Conflict of Confusion.
Alright, that was Conflict of Confusion, and this is one that I really like the percussion of. The first 38 seconds, uh, it really kind of drives the mood, and I love how deep it is, too. It's not something I think we hear in Falcom Sound Team stuff, like, very frequently. And then from there, a guitar comes in, adds a nice melody to it, keeping things fresh. And then a keyboard and the guitar switch between taking the leads. It's a rather slow mood-building track that I dig the hell out of, and I think is a great way to kick off this episode. Yeah, you know, I, I see exactly what you mean about the percussions in the beginning. Actually, throughout the entire track, uh, the percussions seem to have directed the track in the beginning, and they have a heavy influence on the rest of the song. It's slow going and mellow, and the leads are great with interesting peaks and breaks. And uh, I, I like this track because everything seems to be, how would you say, tame and, and well-mannered. It's, it's all controlled so well. For me, this is a weird one where I know exactly what you're talking about with tame, well-mannered, but it also feels like it's building to this intensity, but it's not doing it in the song. It's doing it for something further down the line, if that makes sense. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's kind of this cool track that, like, again, I know we basically sit here and feel like we're stroking off Alcom Sound Team every time we talk about them, but it's just a wonderful, like, trick that they manage <laughs> to pull off every time. Yeah, it's... they're damn good team yeah (laughs) yeah this group of composers and musicians is just really something so anyway uh let's go ahead and let's move on to the next one and that is step ahead
Alright, and that was Step Ahead. This was an early favorite of mine on this album for obvious reasons. A catchy little piano entry, followed by a violin coming up front with a guitar providing some backing to it. Yeah. (laughs) I love the violin taking the lead in this one. It's just well implemented throughout with great percussion going along with it. The guitar popping in up front here and there is a great touch, but the contrast of the violin and the piano works so well together in this one that I can't help but just fall in love with this thing every time I hear it. (laughs) You know, this track is uh, it's so damn catchy, and it has so many hooks to it. It's obvious that every instrument is working off of each other, and the percussions have to be my favorite instrument in the mix. They're sounding great with that slight compression, and don't ever push any instrument aside while maintaining control over most sections. Now, the lead rhythms are incredible. Just a damn staple when it comes to this type of a composition. And honestly, I couldn't ask for a more precise and well-executed track. Yeah, this is definitely one of my favorites, and... I think you kind of put it best there. It's just everything in this thing is just like implemented perfectly well. Yeah, it's it's a solid track, man. I dig it. Uh, it's so, yeah, like I said, I don't want to sit here and just like, yep, they're, yeah, Falcon Sound Team's amazing every single track because that'll just get real, real fast. But, uh, you know, we're, we're only two tracks into this thing, so we'll, <laughs> well, we'll save that I, for the end, I suppose. <laughs> the music in general, man, it's just good music. Can't help but, uh, you know, point it out <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly like, you know hence doing the podcast for it i mean like i said it this seemed like a, a ridiculous project but the more we listened to it i was like man there's no way we could trim this down to even two episodes there's just so much good stuff in this it's like no we kind of kind of kind of have to go over each disc individually <laughs> it's a must all right let us go ahead and move on to the next track and that is uh liftoff
right, that was Liftoff, and we get into the heavier electronic sounds of Falcom here. I love how intense this is with that electronic stuff just being so powerful. It just has this feeling of heft to it, if you will. It's got some real weight behind it. A minute and 38 seconds in, we get a piano breaking in to add a different feeling to it. The whole track takes me back to, like, the early 2000s electronic music. It might have something to do with the piano that was a fairly common practice back then, mixed in with, like, electronic stuff. I still dig the sound of that era, and mixing it in with more powerful, heavy, modern sounds is just a great contrast and helps show how diverse Falcom's sound team is when it comes to musical variety in their works. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it's always nice to hear a, a synthy track with a pumping beat as well. That makes me want to jam this one on a stereo at full blast, just just to get that air moving. <laughs> and I'm surprised they threw in some rhythm guitars. You, you can barely hear them, but they do fill in space. And that slight echo effect on the piano... Uh, it works wonders. I, I like this one. It really gets the blood flowing. You know, honestly, I didn't catch the rhythm guitars at all. I am going to have to go back and listen to this thing again, obviously. Yeah, you could you can barely hear them. I'm not sure if they, uh, you know, if they're playing throughout every section, but I know somewhere in the intro, you can hear them. I mean, it, like I said, the volume is really low, so it's okay. just, it sounds like it's just to fill in space. Hmm. I, I'm definitely interested in checking that out. And if they did that, man, uh, bravo to them. Because, man, like I said, normally I try to pull this apart as much as I can. But, like, missing an instrument entirely, I'm, like, I feel kind of <laughs> dumb. But also... Well, see, that's the thing with these people, man. They mix everything in so damn well. It's easy to miss, you know, a single instrument. Yeah. I, yeah, man. I mean, it's really just a remarkable job of blending so much stuff together. I mean, especially like this. Like, you wouldn't expect, like... A guitar in this at all never mind it being like so subtle in the background like man i i am gonna have to go and listen to this thing like really closely now to catch that thing mm, check it out absolutely i mean this is I, I think this is in my work mix already so it'll it'll pop back on so <laughs> very least maybe i'll just when we're done with the podcast i'll just pop it on just to kind of refresh myself with it we'll say <laughs> <laughs> there you go yeah like so. i said you might not even catch it i don't know uh, i caught it for sure um like I said, it's so damn slight. You can barely tell it's there. Okay. Well, now that you pointed it out, I'll, I'll be listening for it. It's just, yeah, sometimes I miss that stuff where it's like, oh, there's something there that I just didn't entirely get. So <laughs> Happens to me all the time. <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and let's move on here. The next track we're going to listen to is To Return.
All right, that was To Return. And if you wanted a complete change of pace from the previous three tracks, I don't know if we could have done something more different than this. Right from the start, it's invoking nostalgia, making you think of days gone by and wanting to return to them. The instrumentation in this one is just spot on with the emotion it's going for. Oddly, there's something about this track that I swear I've heard this before somewhere, but what it is, I just can't quite place it. It's the piano that kicks in about a minute in that really sends that sensation over the line, but specifically at like a minute and 15 in, it does this scaling thing that I swear I've heard it before, but with a vocalist and not the piano. Either way, it's a somber track that I really just love, and again, shows Falcom's compositional diversity. Yeah, they're extremely diverse, and you know, this one, it's real mellow, and it has a good rhythm. In fact, I think the rhythm is what pushes this track so far with me. I like the leads, especially in the beginning, but I think the track would do just fine without them. In the end, everything really works out, and I can't really think of anything I don't like about this one. It's it's just so easy on the ears. <laughs> Yeah, and this is definitely a little bit of an odd one where, you know, this isn't some, like, thumping, um, you know, electronic rock thing that, you know, Falcom, that basically that we've come to love Falcom Sound Team for. Yeah, it's a lot different. It's just sort of this, this nostalgic piece, basically, is the way I kind of think of it. Hmm. Yeah, I, I just like it. I, I just like how, how different it is, how original it is. Oh, yeah, like I said, dude, I, I I, I don't know. I feel ridiculous going over this every time, but yeah, the Falcom Sound Team just... There's a reason why they're, they, they've they made more appearances on this than anybody outside <laughs> of maybe Iku Mizutani, but even then, it's just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it's really hard to beat them out of this game. It really is. They're just, they're top-notch. They and, really are. And it really does astound me that just they're not more of a, I don't want to say household name, but it just seems like unless you're really into video game music or really into we'll say obscure uh, Japanese RPGs. Like Falcom just kind of goes under the radar most of the time. And I can understand for their games, but it's just like their music. It's like, God, how do, how, how is this shit just not like everywhere? (laughs) Yeah. You know, they do seem to be a little, you know, like underground, you know, just, you know, they deserve more attention. And I think that's largely what we're trying to do here is uh, bring people's, uh, you know, bring Falcom Sound Team up here to the forefront of people's minds. Because, man, oh, man, I, I, every time I, I listen to Falcom Sound Team and people are like, what the hell are you listening to? I kind of feel like, you know, you have, this is like one of those instances of like an undiscovered band that you're listening to. And you're like, oh, yeah, this, this group has all this, this huge catalog. And, you know, this group not in the same, you know, not with the same members or anything. But, I mean, this group has been around for ugh, like 30 years yeah. Oh, wow. So, I mean, they just have this gigantic catalog you can fall back on, which is great. Oh, yeah. It's massive. I mean, look at, uh, you know, the bonus episodes we just did on the uh, on the boy who had wings. That was one track that was recompositioned like over and over and over and over again over the course of like, you know, 25 years. And it's just like, man, I mean, we, we got two full episodes of, you know, a bonus episode. I mean, basically, we ended up like, I think like maybe about two two hours and 15 minutes worth of uh listening to that track and talking about it over the course of those two it's just like that is for one damn track that's astounding <laughs> you know now that i'm thinking about it it's pretty damn ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> it is a little silly when you when you boil right down to it but again i think it's why it worked out for the bonus episode because splitting it up i think worked out uh, i think if we had just dedicated a full episode to nothing but that at length it probably would have been a little bit much yeah oh yeah definitely <laughs> All right, uh, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track, and that is Alley of Silence. 
Alright, and that was Alley of Silence. And I enjoy the slow build into the main part of the track on this one. It starts off rather simple, and about 36 seconds in, the new sounds thrown in really change the tone up. It goes from sounding almost tribal, something that makes me think of like a lush jungle, to a completely melancholy sound. There's still a bit of that, but I almost immediately lose that image as soon as those other instruments kick in. This one is more powerful than I think it needs to be, really going from painting one picture to another rather smoothly. You know, this one sort of reminds me of a, like a well-lit cave. <laughs> it's only because of the percussions, and it, they sort of bounce around, giving them that echo effect you'd hear in a cave. Yeah. Take that effect away, and uh, a jungle scene pops up in my head, for sure. At about 37 seconds in, the groove slightly changes, focusing more on the lead instruments, but for some reason, it's not sitting too well with me. I do like what's going on at the one minute mark, though. That part fits in well with uh, what's going on during the intro of this track. This is one of those ones that it's, I don't know, it, it, it's weird in a Falcom Sound Team sense, but at the same time, it there's something, and I can't remember the track off the top of my head, but something um, in E7 that sounds a, not a lot like this, but similar enough to this, which is, again, strange, and I think we talked about this in the last episode, but neither of these composers worked on E7, so it's kind of like, that's odd, but I guess at the same time, you can sort of get this, like, that vibe from music in general, but I don't know, it just it just feels like sort of like an in-house borrowing of themes, in, in a sense. Hmm. Yeah, it does, huh? Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, you know, we can just totally just kind of let them get away with that, because at least it's in-house and it's not, you know, um, a certain very well-known composer who, uh, <clears throat> whole clock nearly <laughs> ripped off uh, Walter Murphy, a disco or Walter Murphy disco track, so... <laughs> yeah, see, that's some bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, at least this is like, hey, we all work together, and we'll pass along ideas. This is like, hey, I'm going to rip off this, uh, this, this, you know, uh, American dude who, uh, you know, has this disco track with a gigantic keyboard he's standing next to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah, jeez. All right, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next one, and that is going to be Unplanned Residue. So we'll listen to that and be right back.
All right, that was Unplanned Residue, and this one had my attention from the first note. I think it does a little bit of a head fake with how it starts, though. The first second makes me think it's going to kick off really strongly, and then it sort of mellows out and lays down a good bass section with some, like, cool sci-fi sounds mixed in, then bringing in some sort of guitar to help, like, accentuate those sounds. There's quite a bit of changing of things taking the forefront with different instruments providing some solid backing. Bell tones, keyboard, brass, strings, it's all there providing some strong, quick hits, giving the track some serious intensity at times. Now, this track seems to be a bit unorthodox. Almost sounds like the sounds in the background don't really work with what's going on up front, but then it does. What I like about this track is how the space between the notes have been utilized. Uh, using echo effects to mask the silence makes it seem like there's an actual instrument fiddling around. Yeah, I thought that was pretty damn cool. That's a cool way to, uh, I guess, cover up silence. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. You know, but in the end, it's not my favorite track, but, you know, it's okay. Yeah. And I mean, we're going to bump into instances where, you know, we're not going to agree 100% on these things. And, you know, considering the breadth of uh, tracks we're listening to over the course of these four discs. Yeah, of course, we're going to bump into some stuff where one of us feels it more than the other. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to happen. And it just did. So (laughs) it's going to happen more. (laughs) All right. Uh, Yeah, there's one that I think we talked about on the last episode where uh, I will bring it up here when it pops up. But uh, that uh, guy feels like total bubblegum pop and you were talking about how you weren't really feeling that vibe of that one on the first disc i'm like oh boy i got a bad feeling about that one (laughs) exactly all right let's go ahead and let's move on to abrupt visitor
Alright, that was Abrupt Visitor, and there's that damn string sound that invokes dread in me. Between horror movies and Jaws, I feel like I've been trained to respond to that stuff a certain way. The guitar throat breaks it up a little, and helps me from feeling complete primal fear when listening to this thing. <laughs> but just as it starts ratcheting up that feeling, the percussion comes in hard with some brass going for that triumphant sound, follow that with violins and more brass hitting for the same emotion, and this is another roller coaster of emotions. My only real complaint with this thing is that it never really seems to settle on something. It does a great job of switching tones, but it also feels a bit directionless at times because of that. Hmm. Yeah, it does seem like it's lacking direction, but I also think the track may have been composed this way for a reason. This is a track that may do better with the visual in front of it. I like how it circles around the positive vibe uh, toward the end and suddenly ends with the more serious sounding stuff. It makes me wonder what type of scene is played out while this track is playing. Yeah, that's something we do. We did kind of fail to mention at the top of this episode. In the again, off chance as you're listening to this one without having listened to the first disc, is we're recording this before the games actually come out, and even by the time this comes out, neither of us will have played this game. And I don't know when I'm going to get to the third one. I'm going to buy it day one just because I support everything Falcom does. But I'm still eh, like ten hours into the first game, so I'm kind of like, ah, just you know, I'll get to this thing when I get to this thing. So yeah. Falcom's got my money already, or they're going to have my money, so it's kind of like, I, I don't think they care too, too much about when I get around to it. They, they just, <laughs> just know, Falcom, you have my money. Anything you put out, you have my money. Don't worry. <laughs> got what you wanted. Pretty much. All right, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track, and that is Heart Transcends the Distance, or Heart Transcend the Distance. Yeah, there's no... Yeah, anyway, Heart Transcend the Distance. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> that was heart transcend the distance and all right here's that catchy almost bullshit inspiring pop stuff but god damn it i'm a sucker for this stuff catchy little percussion great violin throughout 
but this thing really starts 41 seconds in when the guitar kicks in with the electronic stuff backing it up perfectly. The violin comes back in and just helps build up my favorite part of the track a minute in. Right there, you can almost cram any bullshit bubblegum pop lyrics in here, and I'd be down with it just because of how fucking good that section is. Uh, hilarious. Uh, I could seriously listen to this on a loop forever. It's just a great track if you need to pick me up. And this is the one I was talking about that I was like, oh, God. I, like, as soon as you mentioned that on the last episode, I was like, oh, Blade Diamond is probably not going to like this one. <laughs> you know, I, I swear, man, I've heard this track before. I'm not sure where or when, but I have. Anyway, it's a good track. It seems to be a little shorter than two minutes, though. Not so sure if I'd be able to loop this one over too many times. Uh, <laughs> I think once is just enough for me. <laughs> not hating, Dad. Like I said, just a one-time listen for me. Once is enough. <laughs> yeah, like I said, this one I have played multiple times, and I really enjoy the hell out of it. And I, I can understand why it's definitely not your style. Like I said, you... I hear this and I can almost picture some like, you know, like feel good bubblegum pop bullshit lyrics being sung through this thing by some, you know, no name or, you know, just cookie cutter <laughs> pop star. Basically, it, I, I get that vibe, but I don't know, man, I don't I think it's just the violin stuff coming back in here and just I think the violin being there is what does it for me ultimately. <laughs> yeah, possibly. You know, I'm like that with the certain like rock songs, you know, the gar- the guitar just completely hooks me. The song could be total trash, but you know that solo, and you know sometimes that's just all you need. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're you're all about the guitar solo. I'm all about the violin solo. God, that's the, probably the <laughs> dorkiest thing I've ever fucking said. And oh boy, I have I have hundreds of hours of podcast uh, that might you know have me saying some really dorky stuff. That may have been the dorkiest thing I've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track, and that is Cheap Trap.
Alright, that was Cheap Trap, and man, you want to talk about a cool build-up? I mean, just adding these elements in and letting this thing have the time it needs to establish itself really helps nail this one for me. It's definitely a little more on the electronic side of things than I'm used to from Falcom, but a minute and 36 seconds in, we get a little bit more of their traditional electronic rock for a while, and it just, well, rocks. This is a bit of a strange one for me because I like it, but it leans just a hair too hard on the electronic side of things for me to love it. Well, I can honestly say I love this track. I've always liked that electronic stuff. I dig all of the little sounds you hear in the background during the intro section. The intro does hold up a lot better than the second half of the track, though. I can see what you mean about the electronic sound uh, being pushed out a little more than it should have been. But really, the intro alone is why I'm liking this track so much. I don't know. Like, I feel like if the electronic stuff had been played down just a hair, I mean, maybe just, you know, a smidge bit less on the volume, I probably would have ended up loving this one a little bit more. It's just, I don't know. I, I don't know for sure if it's just the volume of the electronic stuff or if it's just the quantity of it. You know, I can't really tell what, what it is that about this track that it, it just doesn't go over that edge from like to love. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, like the second half of the song, they really bump it up to like that mainstream electronic sound, mm -hmm. almost not techno. I mean, I, I really wouldn't know what to call it because I don't really listen to that music. Yeah. But, you know, they push it out a little too far. Like I said, the intro is what caught me. I could totally live without that second half. <laughs> yeah, I'm for as much as like electronic music as I listen to, I... I cannot tell you genre or, you know, I guess that would be subgenre of uh, electronic music. Like I hear stuff and I'm like, oh, that's cool. I like that. You know, people, I would say like what, the like late 2000s, early 2010s, like, you know, people start talking about happy hardcore and dubstep. And I'm like, <laughs> I no idea what you guys are talking about. I mean, I've never been very good at pinning stuff down like subgenre wise like you can play a track and i'm like oh this is rock oh this is jazz oh this is you know i can do that that's any idiot can do that which i'm proving uh <laughs> but like i said you start getting the subgenres of you know oh well this is this this is that this is that, that, that i'm like okay i mean really the only thing i can pinpoint anytime i hear it is freeform jazz because fuck that shit <laughs> yeah you know subgenres to me when it comes to music you know they're fucking meaningless they i you know i if it's rock, it's rock. I consider it rock. Yes. Yeah. You know, if it's metal, you know, I guess I'll go with that. If it's metal, I mean, I guess it's still rock, right? Yeah. Classic yeah, rock is yeah. still rock. I would consider, like, metal a subgenre of sorts of rock. I mean, yeah, there's certainly more hard stuff. But, you know, you listen to, like, some electronic stuff. What is it? That Dead Mouse Guy versus Eurobeat, basically, that I listen to. It's the same genre. It's just different tonally, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like I said, with rock, I mean... When I say I like rock, that means I like 80s rock. I like, you know, 50s rock. <laughs> I like metal. I like, you know, whatever type of rock and roll you got, I like it. Yeah. But, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's as far as I go with it. Yeah, I've never been very good at pinning down subgenres. And, yeah, for the most part, like, I like a lot of rock. There's some stuff, like, heavy metal is just a little too heavy for me. I appreciate the composition behind it and, like, the work it takes to play that shit, but... Just hearing it, I'm like, eh, it just doesn't sit right with me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, it's a lot of that, you know, wub wub dubstep sort of stuff. Like, I, 
that that stuff does not sit well with me either. I'm like, this is a little too much for me. So, oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track. And it is definitely not going to be too hardcore for anybody. <laughs> so, uh, this next one is called Shattered Heart. So, we'll listen to that and be right back. Right, that was Shattered Hearts, and I have no idea what happens when this track is playing, but the track title and tone couldn't be more in line. The bass here is playing a part from another song I know that's a Falcom track, but I can't quite place it. This track's use of violin, bass, and guitar is really well done, adding a great feeling to this thing. I like sad music, and this shit is a total fucking bummer. So much so that I think I need to send this to friend of the show, Megan Carnes. I think she'll probably appreciate it. <laughs> Well, here's one track that I really don't care for. <laughs> I don't know, you know, I I don't know. It just bores the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. No, I can <laughs> maybe, I can totally understand that. <laughs> maybe it's just that it takes so long to enroll, or maybe it's just the mood I'm in. Some days uh, I'm like, screw that song, and others I'm like, oh man, I love this song. I think you've got to be like in a good place, like mentally and emotionally, to listen to this thing because it is a very bummer of a song. You know, like. If you're even in the least bit, probably like not in a good mood, it's like, eh, I don't really want to hear this shit. Yeah, I'm in a bad, bad place right now. Uh, it's not working for me. I totally understand that, man. Like I said, I, I've always dug sad stuff for whatever reason. So, I mean, this is like right in my wheelhouse of music I enjoy. And just the use of like 
a little bit more like classical instrumentation. I really appreciate what's going on with this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally get that. It's a good track. It's just, like I said, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. It'll sound a little different to me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, like I said, I, I think this is one that it just, if you don't like sad music, hearing this thing, it's just going to depend on your mood, what you feel about it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and let's move on to something I don't think it really matters what mood you're in. You're probably just going to dig this thing, and that is Concept HMI. That was Concept HMI, and this one is something a little bit more upbeat than the last thing we listened to. <laughs> uh, the electronic sounds being the strongest element right out of the gate with a piano, adding some nice diversity to the track. I am immediately thinking of Fantasy Star Online music, even if this is a little bit more quickly paced than that stuff. At a minute and 26 seconds in, I swear it had me going for the first note that they were throwing in the violin, and you know what that does to me, uh, but nope, just some synth. <laughs> I was a little bummed out because I think it would have been a great addition, but it might have disrupted the sound of the track a little too much. All in all, I really like this one. If for nothing else, it makes me think of the PSO soundtrack and how much I used to dig that thing. You know, slow it down a bit and 
and it'll totally sound like PSO track. Honestly, the only complaint I have is uh, the tempo. Everything else is great. I love the electronic instruments that uh, that have been used here, and it's just it seems like everything just fits. And you know, the tempo thing—that's just personal preference. It's just me. <laughs> I agree with you, though. I like I said, for me, I I like this thing. And I think it boils down to, like, we both like the PSO soundtracks. Um, oh, yeah. I, I think toning this one down a hair would have done that, or done this thing a little bit of a favor. It just feels like it's a hair too fast for what it's wanting to do. But also, I do wonder if, you know, having PSO so ingrained in our brains, the tempo of that stuff first, this one specifically, may have just affected the way we hear it. You know what I mean? Mm, possibly. And, you know, I have to remember this track wasn't written for PSO, so... <laughs> yeah should be a difference yeah yeah there should be and like i said again we've got no no just like point of reference as to what's going on when this thing is playing but just the sound and the instrumentation makes me think so hard of pso it's really nigh impossible for us to not compare it to something like that <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> all right let's go ahead and let's move on to the next track and that is erosion of madness
Alright, that was Erosion of Madness, and this is something I think is going to speak right to both of us right away. I mean, it's a little prog rocky, but it throws in violin with some heavy guitar to have it lean a little harder on the rock end of things. Some great guitar in here, but then 54 seconds in, it just fucking throws in an organ and it just goes right back to being prog rock. This track just smacks you in the face from start to finish. <laughs> I wish there was a little bit more violin, but damn it, I can't complain about this one at all. I love it. I think it's got enough hard rock in it for you, Dominic, and it's got enough prog rock for me. God, if I'm wrong about this, I think we need to retire this podcast after <laughs> this because I clearly have no sense of what you like. <laughs> well, man, I don't know, man. I think you were completely right. I, I like this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was like, uh, well, I guess uh, we're not finishing up this, uh, this thing. Okay, Whew, all right. <laughs> There's a little bit of everything in here, and... And that double bass drum kicks this one right out of the gate. Definitely more of what I truly like. The rhythm works so damn well, pushing out that sound and vibe I've always liked. And I'm sure you've noticed that the slower tracks can be, I guess they can be a hit or miss with me. I'm telling you, my musical taste changes daily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I think it's pretty common for everybody, though. Like, there are some days I'm, I'm okay with listening to, like, sad stuff. And there are some days, like, I want, you know, normal... Uh, I, I would guess say normal. Uh, what would you consider like, you know, typical Falcom sound team? Like you just like fast paced electronic rock kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same here, man. Sometimes I'm like, all right, I'm going to throw on some death blooms by Mudvayne. Other days I'm like, oh shit, where's that bubblegum pop, man? I need that stuff. <laughs> yeah. It is really <laughs> just like, yeah, it just depends on your mood and just what you're kind of feeling. I mean, there are some days I'm, I'm perfectly okay with just listening to whatever bullshit's playing over the intercom at work. And there are some days like, <laughs> I just want to throttle whoever picked out the music for that day. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> <sighs> All right, let's go ahead and let's cover our last track for this disc. And this is something I think we're both going to enjoy here. Uh, but whatever. Anyway, this is beyond the journey. So let's listen. <laughs> to be on the journey and be right back.
That was Beyond the Journey, and look, I love Kanako Katera, the sort of go-to Falcon vocalist, but Megumi Sasaki, the vocalist for this one, can sing on any Falcon track she wants to forever. I love her voice. (laughs) This thing has been in constant rotation for me for nearly two years now. It's a great pop rock song with some killer violin. It does a great job of slowing down and picking up the pace. The guitar solo halfway through is great. Really, my only complaint with this thing is the weird distortion thrown on Sasaka's voice right after the guitar solo. This thing has been in constant rotation because of Sasaka's delivery, the percussion, the guitar, the violin. It's just a perfect storm of Falcon Sound Team pop rock. I almost wish this was the track we were wrapping up the whole album with, the way Rush Out was for E7, but there's another vocal track to this album we'll be wrapping this up with. You know, the vocals make this track. It's not my favorite track we've covered, but it's definitely up there because of the, I guess, the originality. I don't want this to sound like an insult to the Falcom sound team, but this track sounds more like a mixed demo. I think they could have mastered this one a bit better. And, you know, that distorted vocals, well, that distorted voice, I just, it was pretty interesting. (laughs) Not exactly something I would have done. The guitar solo was incredible. Yeah. And the rhythm really pushes the track further than, well, I think it should have, which is a good thing. Just saying, I didn't realize how well the rhythm sections were composed at first. All in all, believe it or not, I've enjoyed almost everything we've covered in this episode. And in re- all reality, the whole set was great, and there's always going to be a little bit of everything for everybody to enjoy. Shit, tomorrow I might come back to this track, and I might just say, damn, I love it. Only time will tell. From the moment I heard this thing, I was just like, in love with it. I don't know really what it is. I, I also kind of like the little like call and response sort of thing with the backing vocals or whatever that are in there. I don't know, dude. I, I, I love her voice. I love the violin thrown in. And oh God, it was probably like a couple of weeks ago. You came up to me and like, I was like kind of jamming, singing along with something. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, yeah. I remember that. This, this was it. This was it. This was, oh. this is kind of the track. Like when I know, like I kind of slowing down for the night or whatever, I will, put this on to kind of pump me back up for a little bit just to kind of get the blood flowing again and get my rhythm back i'm like okay i need to i need to move my ass let's get this thing going let's put on beyond the journey and just crank it out for five minutes and i'll be able to kind of maintain after that you know what i mean yeah definitely this is also another one where if i'm like looking at like my last like 15 cases i will pop this on and just put it on repeat one and just be like okay i'm just gonna throttle through this thing you know mm-hmm. give you that extra push mm-hmm. i think it also has to do with the way her vocals are i'm sure you've noticed i tend to sing along with this one a little bit 
And I think the way it's staggered out, it helps me like breathe a little bit. So I'm able to like sort of, I'm, I guess I'm paying more attention to my breathing, which also helps me move faster because I don't like, you know, my panting and my holding my breath. I'm keeping a steady, you know, flow of air in and out. So I don't know if that has something to do with it too, but there's just something about this track that I'm just like, yep, yeah, I, when I need to throttle things, I, this is, this is one of my go-tos, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. So that will wrap up disc two for uh, Trails of Cold Steel 3. Again, hope you're enjoying this thing, and yeah, we're we're definitely chugging along with this thing. It's it's a lot of work, but man, I like I said, when you've got this much good music to cover, it would almost be criminal to skip over so much of this stuff. So uh, we're going to take a break for a few days, and or give you a, basically a break for a few days to come back, catch up. Um, I think August or August uh, October 21st is when we'll put out the next one. And then October 22nd is when we will launch episode four, which will be the disc or the fourth disc of this thing. And that will wrap up the soundtrack for Trails of Cold Steel, which is also the launch day for Trails of Cold Steel. So after you've listened to this, if this hasn't made you decide like, hey, I want to go check these this game series out. I don't know what's going to. It's a really like good RPG if you're into Persona at all. But if you're like me, the music has turned you off. Uh, this will probably do the trick for you. <laughs> <laughs> Because I have heard a lot of people sort of liken Trails of Cold Steel's um, sort of, you know, non-battle stuff to Persona, where it's a lot of, like, interacting with uh, a lot of your fellow classmates, building relationships, stuff like that. And that all sounds great, um, and I would love to do that in Persona, but I just cannot get past the soundtrack for those things. (laughs) But, you know, you throw in, like, a 100-hour RPG with a soundtrack you're not going to dig, it's probably going to make it a little hard to get into. You throw in a 100-hour RPG with a soundtrack that you are absolutely in love with, guess what? Probably going to get me to play it a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah, no joke. Or at least purchase the damn thing so I have the potential of playing (laughs) it at some point in my life. (sighs) God knows what that is, so... Anyway, uh, that will wrap up this episode. So we'll make this real quick here. You can back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash gamesandjunk. You will get this in higher quality audio feed. You will get all of our bonus episodes. And uh, yeah, you will get a catch-all feed for all the podcasts we do. Uh, Other than that, I think that wraps up the Patreon thing. So usual plugs, you can follow us on Twitter at Podcast. That is R-O-W-Y-C-O podcast. Uh, You can follow me at Jason Ariola and Dominic. You can follow me at Dominant Tread. All right. So that will be everything there. We will talk at you guys in a few days with disc three of Trails of Cold Steel. Great. I knew that groove was in your heart.